Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. We are jumping into episode 203. And before we get started, Ken and I took a bet to see if this episode <laughs> would open with the scene at Babylon. And uh, womp, womp, womp. yeah, it did not. I know some people don't like how often some of the episodes open at Babylon or end at Babylon, but I love Babylon. Yeah. <laughs> Babylon sets the tone. You know? I would go there every night. Me too. It's always a different <laughs> lit party experience every single night. You yeah. Know? God, yeah. Yeah. But no, it, we we were wrong, wrong, wrong. Right. Wrong. I mean, this one gave us a very different opening at first. You don't even know what's going on. We opened on a very new setting and the there were these guys at this dinner table and, Girl. <laughs> and Ken's comment to me was oh my gosh i never want to be that kind of boring gay no never like <laughs> come on now like they were stuffy as hell like they were girl and oh, so we have no not. clue who these guys were like when it first opens and they're talking about club sodom and they're like oh it's <laughs> an awful place where people go and dance and take drugs and have sex <laughs> girl i was like get send me the, um, the <laughs> yeah. google directions you know what i'm saying how did i get it what's the price Drop of admission at club i'm sodom. trying to go to club sodom okay take me uh, to gamora next <laughs> like i'm ready well then we find out because we go over to woody's and we see our crews like okay now we know what's going on <laughs> and they are riveted watching the screen so this is a new show. They're watching Gay as Blazes. <laughs> <laughs> and let me just say, I would watch the heck out of Gay as Blazes. I would too, Just girl. to like hate watch it, I think. Yes. I'm telling you, it's one of those love-hate relationships. Like, yeah. Love-hate. It's it's so boring, but captivating at the same time. Yeah, it, like, like takes itself too seriously. But, okay, so let's, um I guess, kind of pan out a little bit. <laughs> so this is, like, such smart writing by the by Ron and Dan and the other uh, writers on this episode, or just this whole arc with Gaze Blazes, because what they have said is that the majority of their criticism didn't come from like the christian right right wing that they thought it was going to come from mm -hmm. it came from within the lgbtq the plus mm -hmm. community and it was the like you're only showing one side you're perpetuating the stereotype that we are just a bunch of club boys who are promiscuous and party all the time and do drugs and so this was their response yeah. <laughs> to it like writing gays blazes in there shots fired <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean i you know, we've said this before on an episode, representation is hard because mm -hmm. there are billions of people on the world and, you know... You can't just... You can't cover everyone. You really you, can't. You can. And so these were... These are certain... A handful of characters and so... We're only getting just a slice of the yeah. of the rainbow, you know? It's five or six people, so we're only getting that piece of that pie. Right. You know, and what's going on in their environment, their surroundings, their everyday life, you know? Yeah, but I love how they just, how they responded <laughs> and handled that criticism by writing in this gay as blazes mm -hmm. storyline with these pretentious people who are all about we need to assimilate, we need to look just like the straight people, we don't need to draw attention to ourselves. And it's like, yeah, okay, for some people they live that way, but other gay people they are don't. just, they don't, yeah. I don't inspire ever to be that gay. For one, I'm not worried about what the other, what people in the world has to say about me. You right. know, like I'm here to live my best life and live my truth and walk my truth, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm not here for that. I'm not about to conform to any of those little specifications that it needs to be. You right. know, like if you don't, it's take me or leave me. You know what I'm saying? It's, there's no gray area. 
It's, it's me. <laughs> exactly. Know? I'm like Brian when it comes to that. I'm going to stand firm on me. Yeah. Know, period. And I love that. Okay, so jumping back into the episode, Lindsay says, you know, gay as blazes, or G-A-B as they call it, is, a, <laughs> is an honest look at gay life. And one of the other people in the gang goes on to say, well, it's not all about sex. You know, the gay life is not all about sex. There's more to life. That was Michael. Oh, and then Ted says, well, when you have principles, you don't you don't need, I think he says orgasms. <laughs> and then um, Brian hit him with the truth. When you don't yeah. have orgasms, you have principles. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't be bored. So Brian cuts it off because he's like, no, that's not all of gay life either. Yeah, maybe there are some people who live that way in whatever but you don't get to say that there's something wrong with how I express yeah. myself. I don't need your judgments mm-hmm. at all, period. And it's not a, like you said, it's not an honest depiction of gay life. It's no, not. no, now, it's that's not. a little snippet. Right. <laughs> that know? is a narrow sliver. Yeah. Exactly. And someone says, well, it's important that the straight world sees a realistic portrayal of us. And it's like, this is a realistic that's portrayal. Not real. Okay. <laughs> That is not well, real. Well, I mean, like what we see on Queer's Fault, that that's is real. a realistic no, that's portrayal. Real. Maybe not of everybody, mm-hmm. but of some people. No, because I, girl, you know how I relate and connect. <laughs> Queer's Folk is real life for me. Like, I, it's hard for me to, you know, differentiate the two, you know, yeah. like reality and, and the show. So, <laughs> Lord have mercy. I've been sucked in. I know. I'm always trying to get your, like, backroom stories and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Don't but, do all that. Don't do all that. Baby. We'll save those for yeah. maybe season maybe season three. Y'all got to stay tuned to that, um, uh, where we got that little secret menu. Yeah. You know, on our webpage. Where we finally unleash that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, during the scene, Brian is not having it. Like we said, he turns the show off. But anyway, we also find out that Brian is receiving a hero award from the Gay and Lesbian Center, the GLC. And then Brian says, well, I didn't do anything to to earn the award. And I, I think in Brian's mind, he doesn't want to make a big deal out of it, but also he doesn't feel like he deserved it. Because we know what we've seen in the previous two episodes, he feels like he actually failed at that. Right. So. I think Brian would rather try to just move forward. Like, yeah. don't even think about anything. I think any conversation still at this point about anything to do with the bashing, he don't want any part of that. He's yeah. like, let's just let's just move on. That's don't true. think about it. Don't think about and it. And again, like we stated before, he also is a victim. He's tra- traumatized by this as well. So he just wants to move on. But, you know, we keep focusing on it. But I am happy that the community actually is recognizing him. Right. Although he doesn't feel like he did anything because that probably was just a normal reaction. Mm-hmm. You know, that's somebody he cared for. He saw them being attacked. So he was going to jump out. Like, that's not... It, to him, in his eyes, that wasn't heroic. That was him just... Uh, a right. Second, that was a natural thing yeah, to natural do. Knee-jerk response. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Um, I, I see where he's coming from, but I'm so happy that the community is behind him. And because yeah. at first, you know, during the whole court case and all of that mess, I mean, like it wasn't looking hopeful right. for, for anyone. So I'm just, I'm very, very, very happy that we finally, for once, see that the whole community has come together yeah. to actually, you know, celebrate him for his um efforts. Because who knows? I mean, somebody else may not have said anything. They would have right. just watched. If it was nowadays, it would have just been a cell phone out and people recording it and then right, not it go intervening, viral. just recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but when we know that Brian's just kind of uncomfortable with praise anyway. So, he leaves Woody's and Michael follows Brian out because, of course he does. This is Michael. <laughs> of course he's going to follow Brian out. And sick. when he comes out there, Brian's like, oh, did Lindsay send you to come check on me and make sure I don't get in trouble? <laughs> and Michael's like, oh, no, I just came to catch up with you. We haven't been able to hang out. And then Brian says, well, I got to get home because... Justin still gets a little freaky when he's on his own for too long. And I just... Girl, my heart. Go I ahead. know. <laughs> no. 
you can cry. I absolutely loved that. I melted. Yeah. I melted. Our baby is growing up. Yeah. He's growing up. He is going to, he's leaving the bar early. Mm-hmm. He's not going to the baths. Yeah. Okay? He's not going to Babylon. Okay. Right. He's going home to check up on Justin because mm-hmm. Justin gets nervous. Okay. Without him. I, I'm, my heart. And it's not a burden for him. He doesn't say it like, oh, I'm so sick of doing this. Like every single night I do this. He's like, no, this is what Justin needs. I need to be there. Yep. I'm so in tune with what's going on with him that I know that, hey, the time is, you know, minutes are ticking away. He's been alone. He's probably wondering or. Not necessarily, not wondering where I am. I don't think he's wondering that, but he's like I said, he gets a little freaky yeah. being on his own, and so I've got to get there and just to assure him that things are okay. Mm-hmm. And Brian is prioritizing that, like you said, over everything, over yeah. the baths, over being there with his friends at mm-hmm. Woody's, over going to Babylon. Like that is super important to him, and yeah. I absolutely love it. Me too. I mean, <laughs> I was very, very surprised and impressed. Yeah. So then Michael tells him, "Well, I got us all access passes to Comic Con." And I got one for you, one for me. And so it'll be tomorrow. Just meet me there. And Brian is like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to show up. And Michael's like, oh, we haven't hooked up since I got back. I'm tired of the pouting. <laughs> I, you know, I am too. I understand that y'all are best friends, but it's just like, and first of all, y'all were at Babylon together in last episode. Like, you've been at the loft. You've you seen were him. Yeah, you were just at Woody's with him. Like, what do you need? Why do you need this one-on-one time? I don't know. <laughs> and also, you, you really... Act, now, Michael has regressed. He really has. In his has. maturity and his age. This he really whole little has. breakup thing has, has thrown him 15 years back. Okay? Because, yes, this is your best friend, but your best friend has a relationship. When you was with Dr. David, yes, he would meddle, but only when you would bring him into it. You right. know? He let you do your thing. Matter of fact, he was encouraging you to go. He was encouraging you to do everything, follow your heart, encouraging you to move in. I mean, I understand that they are best friends, but it just, it just seems like... Michael's un- expectations of Brian are over the top yeah. or unrealistic or am I crazy? No, absolutely. I 100 wholeheartedly agree with you. Like, no, he's, he's been, you know, Michael's been extra. He's been like a, a little whiny, spoiled brat who, <laughs> you know, he doesn't, he just wants all the attention on him. Like me, 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 me. No, stop it. A good friend would have understanding and he's yeah. not understanding but I mean, I kind of agree. I mean, I kind of understand where he's coming from. He wants to pick up where everything left off. He wants to have the same connection with Brian. But Brian is never, we have never seen this side of Brian before. This is something right. new, you know? So, and circumstances are requiring something different of yeah. Brian. I think that's not, that's what Michael's not considering. Mm-hmm. It's Justin is having a real issue that requires me to be there because I think it's not just tonight. It's like, I guess there's been a pattern since mm-hmm. Michael has been back he's seen brian having to prioritize his other things basically the things that he's got going on with justin Mm -hmm. circumstances require that now michael it's nothing to do with you we talked about this in last episode you only see your own stuff yeah yeah true so he needs to get over that yeah but anyway brian's just like okay what time what time do i need to be there he didn't have to pressure him like that if i was Brian, i would have been like sorry me and justin have plans yeah, or uh, just I got plan, or I don't want to. Yeah. I don't care about comics the way you do anymore. I understand that's something that's important to you and something we bonded over when we were kids. But 
don't care about that anymore. I don't want to come. Like, no, yeah. You're not about to sucker me and make me feel shitty, make me feel like I'm a bad friend when he's the only one who's really always been there for Michael. Like, stop it, boy. No. <laughs> so over at Melanie and Lindsay's house, they are trying to get Brian to agree to accept this hero award. And they, uh, they're they talking to him and Brian's brought donuts, I think just to pacify Lindsay, which... I, me and Lindsay must be the same person because you could definitely pacify me with donuts. Girl, me too. You know, I'm a sweetaholic. Okay? Yeah. We are always munching on some, something sweet always. when we're recording. But Melanie and Lindsay said this is important, you know, to them, this is about supporting the community and it's also going to benefit the daycare that they want Gus to attend. And so they see this as like, hey, this is a an act of solidarity. You showing up and showing that this is important. Like mm-hmm. the GLC is trying to honor you. Just come through. Yeah. <laughs> Accept the reward. Like it's simple. Mm-hmm. You get a good deed. They're honoring you. Show up. Yeah. But as always. <laughs> but Brian does not care because he's like, I don't need their validation. And they've never been concerned about me. And I don't necessarily even agree with everything that they stand for. So no, I'm yeah. not showing up for that. Which, I mean, I can agree with that. If you haven't been checking for me before, don't come for me now. Right. You know? Yeah. And because um, he's still, he's always been Brian Kenny. He didn't, he don't need any validation. <laughs> he's always been popping. <laughs> yeah. But also, I see where they're coming from. They're trying to do, make the community shine. You know? This exactly. Is, it's not just about you. It's about getting the word out so the world can see us in a different light also. You right. Know? Because they are activists in the community, Melanie and Lindsay. And there are many ways to be an activist but this is how you know they're doing by being mm-hmm. very involved with the glc and so basically Lindsay has him stand up and she grabs him by the goods and is like look you're coming you're accepting the award and that's gonna be that girl that was hot okay because we never get to see, we always see the meek little Lindsay, or she manipulates him in other ways in other ways she was strong <laughs> Okay, he couldn't do nothing but agree. She had him by the balls. She had him, okay? She had a good grip. Yeah. And she looked him dead in his eyes, and she let him know what it was. Like, you're going to come, and you're going to act right. Yeah. Okay? And you're going to act happy. Yeah. And you're going to accept this award. I loved it. Like, I was here. That scene was high. I was like, okay, Lindsay, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Yeah, so while this is happening, uh, Gus starts walking. He takes his first oh. steps. Yeah, and it was so sweet. That Brian got to be there for that. And also, that was a nice little... Lindsay, like, let's go, Brian. <laughs> As Brian's over there dying. And she's like, oh, Gus. Yes. I mean, his voice thing, I went up, like, to Mariah Carey octaves. So yeah. Hi. Well, and little Gus is growing up. So that was nice to see. So then we go to the diner. And we hear the name Howard Bellwether. And he is an author. Mm. Um, and he has written this uh, this article and in it, he's talking about what happened with Brian and Justin because, you know, Howard Bellwether's in town to get an award at the same event that Brian is supposed to be receiving mm-hmm. an award at. And so he's like, how dare they give him this award? And he's a he's promiscuous and vain. And Debbie's like, well, now that's not far from the truth. <laughs> but, but the rest of it, you know, they say he's 31 and he you know, basically, I guess, kind of preyed on Justin or whatever. And he's no hero. He's the villain in this situation. Um, I mean, they call him a pedophile and, and Debbie's like, well, who is this guy? And Ted says, well, he's the gay social conscience of Pittsburgh. 
And Brian says, well, I'm suing him because he said I'm 31. That part, okay. That's the most important. <laughs> I'm 30. Because Brian's like, this guy doesn't know me. I don't care what he says. Mm-mm. But you going to get my age right. Yeah, that's what, that's what you're going to do. You're going to get the age right. You can say all you want to say, but huh, baby, you're not going to age me. For real. Because it's okay. hard enough for Brian to admit that he's 30, mm-hmm. much less 31. That part, okay. Yeah. But all of that was some bullshit, though. It really was. Okay, Everything was, in that article was. Yeah, like, this dude had nothing better else to do. You sound real jealous to me, mm-hmm. okay? A little salty, bruh. Yeah, well, and then Justin tells Brian, when Brian makes a comment about his suing him because of his age being misrepresented, Justin makes a comment. He said, is that all you cared about? He called you a child molester. And then Brian says, well... Nobody <laughs> knows better than you. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. So Brian, Brian doesn't care. But I like that his friends come to his defense here because they have not really been doing that this since season two started mm-hmm. so i like that they do come to his defense and like that's not true what he said about you is not right i they mean ted is kind of on the fence because you know this is ted <laughs> but uh but yeah the rest of them were upset about mm-hmm. it yeah they were all upset but brian doesn't care again and so, i love that about him yeah it's written about him and everybody else is upset and he doesn't give a damn right because it's like i know my own truth i don't need somebody else to yeah. tell me my truth i know yeah. it yeah i absolutely love that so he just gets up to leave and Michael tells him, well, don't forget about Comic-Con because he's supposed to come that night. So then Emmett shows up to his new job because remember the last episode, he picked up this whole naked mm-hmm. waiter job. <laughs> so he shows up at his next assignment and there are these cars parked and they've got like similar license plates and it looks like this just nice little cookie cutter community. Mm-hmm. And we meet Blair and Blaine, a dentist and a lawyer. And they look like identical. Yeah. I mean, in fact, Ken was like, how did he get the job with these people on gay as <laughs> Because I mean, they are like identical to the guys on, on gay as blazes. Yeah. Well, we found, we find out that they've been together for 11 years and that they are a monogamous couple. Extreme monogamous. And Emmett, to Emmett, this is like the ideal come to life for him. He's never met any other gays like that. Right. You know, he just sees what he sees on Liberty Avenue. You yeah, because he saw this on TV, but he was like, you know, none of these people exist. He even says, you know, oh, next you're going to tell me you're monogamous. And then they're like, yeah, actually, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see his eye, he wanted to cry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> His eyes teared up. Yeah, he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. They are real. They do exist. <laughs> yeah. So, boy, Emma's like, all right, cool. Well, I've met you guys. Now it's time for me to get to work. So he starts to undress, and they're like, no, he oh, drops no, trial. No. He shows all the goodies, okay? <laughs> no, he doesn't. He shows everything. <laughs> that is not true. Don't listen to him. So then... Blair and Blaine are like, oh no, you don't have to, you don't have to do that here. <laughs> you know, we prefer you to keep your pants on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And they say, um, you know, we want to bring dignity to the to our to the gay community. You know, so I didn't like that. That was so shady. It was okay. Like yeah. for one, don't don't throw jabs because I hit you with an uppercut. All right, <laughs> like no, bring some dignity. You're not better than anybody else. Because you right. live in a neighborhood, you got a house. And gay or straight, people live their life the way they're comfortable living their life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so then we see Brian, and he's on his way to Comic-Con, but he gets held up by this cop. <laughs> Typical Brian, okay? But to be honest, I wouldn't have passed it up either. So, yeah, I'm proud of him, okay? He's he a strong arm of the law, okay? <laughs> Yeah. I'm proud of him. He's got to uh, help this guy out, you know, show him how to use his um, his, his handcuffs and his nightstick. And 
<laughs> yeah. He in did. the back of the police vehicle. But come on now. That's like a, a once in a lifetime type experience. <laughs> I mean, Comic-Con or banging the police officer in the police car, handcuffing the police and playing with his nightstick. Yeah. The real nightstick. Okay. Like, come <laughs> on now. Both nightsticks. Both of them. I, I'm telling you. Michael, that's going to come next year. You, he may never get that opportunity again. Absolutely not. I'm with Brian. I would have been in the back of that um, patrol um, car as well. So high five to him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, opportunity presented itself. And who was Brian to pass that up? So. Exactly. I wouldn't. So then we see Michael calling him, you know, just calling him repeatedly. And he's getting no response. And you can see how upset he's getting at the situation because he's like, Brian stood me up. Again. Well, low key, that was sad though. I'm not. I'm not even gonna lie. Like a little bit. He yeah. He was excited. You know, like he's got his best friend back. They're gonna do something. Uh, it's like almost like that nostalgia. I think he was gonna have yeah. because that's something that they did when they were younger. And he, he's just trying to get those old vibes back. He wants that same connection that he felt like he's missing out on. So the fact that he was waiting and blowing him up, like I mean, he all those look backs. Like I thought he was gonna leave, and then he's standing back there again. Like damn, boy. Yeah. He ain't coming. Okay, like, <laughs> yeah. you should it know. It was a classic scene in like a romantic comedy where the person keeps hoping that the other guy's yes. going to show up. Yeah. But I, I did. I low-key felt sad for him. I did. Yeah. Well, I know. In a way, I, I did because Brian said he was going to be there, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm laughing, okay, because I'm, I'm not even going to sit. Never <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it more in a minute. Okay, so... Um, then we go over to Melanie and Lindsay's house and they're having their own fun in the mm. living room there. You know, they're riding this high because they're newly engaged. Yes. And, um, yeah. So they're just having them some, you know. Some Mel and Lindsay playtime. Yes, without they are. Guts. Right there on the couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank God they had the blinds closed, though, because Brian would have had every window open. Okay? For real. So in the middle of all of their action, they get a, a visitor and or two visitors, and it's <laughs> Tannis and Philip from the GLC. They're on the board there. And Melody and Lindsay are trying to like hurry up and put themselves together and put the house together. <laughs> Quick, okay. But for one, I wouldn't have rushed. I mean, you don't have to open the door so quickly. They would have waited. You know, but yeah, they exactly. did that. Yeah, that's what, like, first of all, they should have called if they were coming by. Yeah, who just shows up? <laughs> don't yeah. do no pop-ups at my house. You never know what you're going to get. For real. And if I'm just not in the mood to open the door, I ain't opening the door. That part, okay. Even if I ain't got nothing going on. Nothing. Yeah. And they had something going on. They was exactly. in the middle of something hot and steamy. And I <laughs> I love seeing them together. I do, too. And but you got to remember, they have a a young child at home and so they got to take advantage of every moment they get absolutely absolutely (laughs) and now they got this interruption coming yeah so you know they try to like put the house to rights and tannis and philip come in and we find out that there's the glc sponsors don't want brian to get this award like he's a bad he'll be a bad uh, reflection on the gay community and so they don't want to give him the hero award and so while they're telling this to Melanie and Lindsay, there's this buzzing sound (laughs) (laughs) on the couch. And so they look under the couch and they find their vibrator vibrator that Lindsay was not able to turn off. And they Melanie tries to offer this explanation like, oh, it's for our plants or whatever. When really (laughs) all she had to say was, look, this is our house. That part. Don't question what goes on here. Mm -mm. Okay, you showed up at my house. Yep, in the middle of the night. (laughs) For real. It's after hours. You sign up for whatever you get when you come over here. That part. Okay, like you said, we got a young child. We got to get in where we fit in. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Period. So then they they are expressing the, like I said, the concerns that the sponsors have. 
And they were talking about his relationship with Justin and how inappropriate it is or whatever. And Lindsay says, they no, Justin's 18. Their relationship is legal. It's and consensual. Loving. And it's loving. Yeah. That part. And I love that Lindsay said that in defense mm-hmm. of them and that she just, she acknowledges that part of it. Because, you know, even just as audience members, that little, that fact that, hey, this started when they were, when Justin was 17. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just the images of Brian driving Justin to school or picking him up from school yeah. as he's on the way to work. It's like, it can be a little bit. It was a little <laughs> off-putting for me. Little it's little no personal. secret for you and I. I think we, we never discussed it on camera. I mean, on um, on on the record. But yeah, it was, just, it was a little off. But like I said, I mean, he was 17. That's legal age to consent. Um, so it can be a little strange, but I would never characterize Brian as a pedophile. You know? Not at all. And when I told Kenneth we were watching, it's like, look, Justin was gonna get it that night. He sure <laughs> so was. He was telling. He was basically telling Brian, look, you can come willingly or because <laughs> <laughs> I like what I see and I'm getting what I want. For real. Okay. <laughs> this is going down. But anyway, so after this conversation, now Melanie and Lindsay need to talk to Brian. They, and they need to talk him out of accepting the award because they finally got him to, to agree. do it. Yeah, to agree to do it. Now it's like, okay, we got to reverse that. Um, so before we get to that, we see um, a three-way phone call with Michael, Emmett, and Ted. I love anytime they have their little three-way I love their three-way calls. calls. It's <laughs> yes. so entertaining. Yeah, because they're. I like seeing what they're all doing. And in this one, Ted is busy doing some uh, personal stuff. <laughs> and I'm happy to see him do this. You know what's fun, ironic to this? He's at home because he's jobless. Right. For watching porn and doing that exact same thing yeah. you know, that he's doing now. And now he's just jobless doing it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And we always see Emmett at work. It, normally he's at um, um, Torso uh-huh. doing the, the mannequins in the window. But this time he's ironing clothes, you know? Yeah. So they, they always try to stay true to what they're always doing. Yeah. And so, and then Michael, of course, is telling them his relationship woes. The usual. <laughs> so he's telling them that Brian stood him up and neither... Ted or Emmett is surprised by that. Um, and so it, Michael is talking about how fake, you know, as Emmett is telling him more about his job and how he's ironing and for these guys and about Blaine and Blair. Michael says, well, you know, Brian says it's all a bunch of bull crap that doesn't exist. And Emmett says, well, tell Brian he's wrong. People on GAB or gay as blazers do exist. They do exist. He was <laughs> yeah. Wrong. So they hang up their phone call and Blair comes out. I believe it's Blair. They're like interchangeable. So I could be in the next yeah. one. But I think it's I think Blair. Blair. It was Blair though. He comes out and he's wrapped in a towel. Oh girl, I called it. I can see it <laughs> in his did. eyes. I can yeah. see it in his eyes. So as you know, Emmett's ironing his pants outside because sure. And uh Oh, no, Blair's towel drops. <laughs> and then he's like, can you help me with that, Emmett? So Emmett I'm dying. goes down on his knees to pick up the towel. <laughs> he can't resist. Yeah. And he opened his mouth wide, too. He did, yeah. But he's Real like, he's wide. just trying to be a good employee. You know, he's got to serve the needs of his employers. Yeah, I think he definitely <laughs> served those needs, girl. On those knees, girl. Yeah. Okay. So then over at the diner, we see Justin is there and he's giving Michael some water. He's gone back to work and his hand is shaking. And so mm-hmm. the water spills. But Michael doesn't make a big deal out of it. In fact, he helps him clean it up. Well, Debbie spots this from where she is at the diner. And she comes over and just offers Justin some encouragement. She's mm-hmm. like, hey, you're doing great. You know, Keep up the good work. And, you know, they just, they really know how to love on him yeah, in that do. moment. And so I appreciate that about them in that moment. Because... 
They are people who have big hearts, Debbie, Debbie and Michael, but sometimes they just go about things the wrong way. Right. <laughs> um, I would definitely say Michael goes about the things the wrong way when it it, it pertains to um, Debbie and to Justin. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, Justin, he has the animosity because he feels replaced by Justin. And so he has the animosity towards Justin, you know, and then with his mom, his mom is just so cool and she's she's very with it. And she's always going to tell him, you know, the truth or what she feels to be the truth, you know, and right. even if it's not what he wants to hear, she lays it on him always. And that's what I respect about her. But with, regarding Justin, Debbie really is just a loving, caring soul. She really she is. truly cares about um, Justin's well-being as if he was like her actual son. You know, she wants the best for him. She always wants to build him up and encourage him. And I'm here for it. Like she really is a loving, loving individual when it comes to him. So Justin goes off to finish his work and do whatever somebody from the back calls him to do something. And it is clear that Michael is in a mood. And so Debbie picks up on that because she's so in tune <laughs> with, with Michael. And she's like, what did he do this time? Because, of course, she knows that it's Brian. She she's, knows who the who she is. She has been seeing that look on Michael's face since they were 14. So she's like, okay, what did he do? And Michael said, Michael doesn't want to talk about it, really. And then, but he's pouting. And like we said, she knows why. And so Debbie sits down. And what she says is so freaking important and on point, in my opinion. Yes. We'll talk about this in a minute. No, but she did. She hit she him. She says, Michael, why is your happiness always dependent on someone else? At first it was Brian. Then it was David. And now it's Brian again. And then she says, well, if you came back here thinking that Brian is missing you as much as you miss him, like, you got it wrong, honey. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's, he has a life of his own. And then she also says, you know, I know you might not want to hear this. You might not believe it. But I think he might actually love this kid. Like, speaking of Justin, um, you know, well, as much as she says, she clarifies that as much as, as, much he, as can. he can. And we all we already know that Brian doesn't know really how to love. He really because wasn't Because it's loved. so new to him. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And so she's to the ability that he has and keeping in mind his childhood and all his past traumas, even before Justin and how new this all is to him, learning how to love someone and be loved somebody, by someone, be in love with someone, that's all new to him. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she's, that's why she says, clarifies like as much as he can. True. Which I actually think Brian has a huge capacity to love, but... He doesn't want to open himself up for any more hurt yeah. because he saw what Jack did to his mom. He saw the way his mom treated him. He saw how Jack treated him. You know, right. he doesn't want to be open to any hurt because right now he's sitting on top of the world. He's untouchable. He has a beautiful loft, a very successful job, and a beautiful young man who adores him. You know, yeah. so he's on the top of the world. He doesn't really have to open up so much to invite that hurt that that could potentially you know come along with that right and he's got to fight what life experience has told him in the past mm-hmm. you know but anyway so getting back to to debbie and michael here i love that though that she said that yeah i do too because he needed to hear it and yep. nobody else was going to be able to say that to him but his mom and i love that debbie just shoots it straight she's like look you need to understand his priorities are shifting and yours should too that part <laughs> you know <laughs> um but michael says you know, yeah, get whatever, but we're still friends, and that was supposed that wasn't supposed to change. And I get that part, but I believed him when he said that. I mean, originally when she was hitting him over the head with all the information, with all the facts about you know, like hopefully you didn't give that up to come back here for him. I was thinking, okay, he needs to hear that. But when he responded with that was my friend, and that shouldn't have changed. I felt that, you know, yeah. and he, he probably does feel lonely. He doesn't know where he fits in the group anymore. You right. Know? Ted and Emmett were always been, you know, Ted and Emmett. And it was him and Brian. 
Now he's solo dolo. He's the one in the back room. He's the one on the main person in Babylon. He's the one offering to do drugs. Like, I mean, the roles have reversed. Right. He's no longer the nurturing one. He's more of the Brian and Brian transitioned into him. So, <laughs> well, and this is all new for Michael too, mm-hmm. because he's used to having access to Brian whenever he mm-hmm. wanted it. it. Or, you know, as long as Brian wasn't with a trick or whatever. Right, <laughs> but, right. but so this right. is new for him too. And so he's like, okay, well, where do I fit in in this equation in this triangle or whatever mm-hmm. with you and and Justin where do I fit in do I still have a place as your friend I do think I still would say that he's putting some un, undue pressure unjust pressure on Brian right but I understand where he's like hey but we're still supposed to be friends mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm gonna try to understand that part yeah so I mean I, I do understand that but he also needs to know that it's too soon yeah you know, like he's not being understanding He's being yeah. demanding and not understanding. Right. Just because you've come back and you haven't figured out your life, you can't expect everybody else to have to stand still and pause time and wait for you to get yourself together. That part. Before they can go on and live their life. Mm-hmm. Not fair. Okay. Anyway, so then uh, we see Emmett, Ted, and Michael walking down the street. And Emmett is telling Ted and Michael that he has ruined 11 years of fidelity by what went on with him and one of Blame. the... Yeah, Blaine, him Blair, and Blaine Blair, one of them, <laughs> one of the one of the bees. Yeah, <laughs> and he says, "Oh, well, he's a fallen angel, and it's because of me because I'm a snake <laughs> in the Garden of Eden." <laughs> he really went too far. Okay. Yeah, but poor Emmett, he really does feel guilty because he has them up on a pedestal, and so he's not putting any of the guilt on them. No, it's all on him. All on him. It's like, you know, I, I did this, you mm-hmm. know, I'm the one who caused him to fall, which is not true, but Emma just can't see it because he's got that ideal in his head. Right. You know? That they're perfect. He really thinks he wants to believe in that, that, that gay stereotype. He right. wants to have faith that one day he's going to find his match and they're going to be monogamous. Mm-hmm. They're going to have that perfect cookie cutter life, you know? Right. Or he just feels like, okay, that's what I should, exp- that's what I should Insp- aspire, aspire to, to be. Yeah. 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 Like that's the ideal or the epitome. That's what I should want. And shame on me for, for, for destroying that. that. Yeah, uh-huh. for not having enough self-control. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ted is telling him, well, you know, you should really think about something else. You should get your mind on something else. And I'm like, excuse you, Ted, as you were just in the bed watching porn all day because you don't <laughs> have a job anymore. But anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the pot um, calling that kettle black. Girl. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so as they're walking, they walk in front of the store that has um Howard Bellwether's information about his new book and book his book signing. signing or whatever. So that's what uh that's what Ted's gonna go spend his time on, I guess. But Emmett just feels awful and blames himself, like we said. Uh so then we see Brian and Justin walking down Liberty Avenue and this is in broad daylight and Brian is holding him and helping him because Justin is having, you know, he still has trouble being in crowds and being touched and being bumped by people that he doesn't know, doesn't trust, doesn't feel safe with. And so Brian is right there with him walking with I'm blown him. away by yeah. that scene. Mm-hmm. That was such an emotional scene for me. It wasn't even a deep, deep emotional scene. But just the fact that no one ever talks about the fact that Brian is there day in and day out. Helping right. this boy overcome every challenge every single day. He's out in the open with him in the broad daylight, like you said, carrying him through the crowd, just getting him adjusted and reacclimated to real life. Yeah. And encounters with other people other than himself, because Justin is only trusting Brian, you know? 
So, I mean, the fact that he's taking time out of his day to do that, that doesn't even sound like Brian Kenny. Right. <laughs> and he looks happy doing it. Yeah. Okay, like, like he doesn't care who sees them because that's not what's important. What's important is Justin getting back to a normal or a new normal or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And things are okay until somebody, and when somebody bumps into Justin and he's about to do that like rage thing, Brian's like, no, no, it's Calming okay. Him. Like pulls him in even closer. Yeah. Even though, like Justin's like gripping him hard because Brian's like, yes. "Ow, okay, yes. but, but yeah, that he's that he's doing that. I mean, this is Brian freaking Kitty. The whole avenue knows yes. who this is. Yes, and some of them we saw just from the pilot, they know who Justin is. One because they've seen him around Liberty Avenue, but also because of what happened mm-hmm. and because that was in their local news. And Brian doesn't care about any of that. None of that matters. No, to him. there's like blinders on. All he sees is Justin, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And even their conversation, their banter is different now. Yeah. I mean, it's tender. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you picked up on it, but it, it's, it's a little soft. It's tender. It's funny. It's fun. And it, like Lindsay said, it's loving. Right. Okay. Like, and oh, I'm, it, it was just such <laughs> a big moment for me. I yeah. think I said, girl, I'm about to cry. Yeah, I know. Like, it was it was great. And then so after that, you know, Justin's still kind of nervous and tense and he's walking with Brian and then he looks over and he sees the information for how Bellwether's book signing and something in him shifts mm-hmm. when he sees that because now it's like that fight is Yeah, we got that bit. glimpse of the Justin we know. <laughs> yeah. Okay? That's uh-huh. the Justin we know. The one who is fearless. Yeah. Who will take on any challenge. And that's what he did in this moment right here. Yeah. So we first go into this bookstore and Ted is there like gushing over uh, Howard Bellwethers. Oh, Teddy. But uh, then Justin shows up there and he like slams the book down and he's like, here, you can write your apology to Brian right here. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Because Justin is going to defend what's right and he's going to defend Brian. You you do not come for Brian in front of Justin. If you don't know Justin Taylor, you will find out real soon. You come for Brian, okay? Yeah. And I love that. And I and Brian just kind of like hangs back and lets Justin do this because this is he probably recognizes this is good. This mm-hmm. is a good sign that Justin has he's all about justice and about doing what's right, what he believes is right. And so he's like, this is a good sign. That he has that fight in him Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because right now, you know, Justin's a little unsure of himself. Yeah. Uh, in his just performance and his daily motor skills, he's in, unsure, you know. He's unsure about his surroundings, the people around him. Where he felt so safe on Liberty Avenue. Yeah. Now, you know, it's like a strange foreign land to him, you know. So the fact that he does have this fight. And he was around uh, several hundred people. He did not care. No, he didn't care. Like, I mean, he <laughs> yeah. broke through that line. Or however many people, yeah. He yeah. walked right up to the front. Yeah, yeah, and didn't care. Like, he had those blinders on. He was going to get his point across he said what he had to say like he said i said what i said yeah okay you're gonna sign this book you're gonna get this apology yes i am the teenage lover you wrote about okay <laughs> yeah. i'm here i mean when justin taylor's on a mission get out of his way <laughs> Period. Yeah. but then how a bellwether says to him well he hurt you as much as your attacker and justin's like forget that like makes a mess of his table and he's like come on brian <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're done with this fool. And Brian walks up to him and he's like, by the way, I'm 30. <laughs> and you know he was going to throw that in there. You knew yeah. he was going to throw that in there. I love it, though. Yeah. And he so, looks serious, too. Like, get it right. For okay? real. You're a journalist, yeah. for God's sake. You can write whatever you want about me, but get my age right. That part. Um. So then we see Emmett, and he's back at work. And then this time, just Blaine is there. Mm-hmm. Blair is doing whatever. And uh, Emmett is feeling guilty because... He knows what's going on. He feels bad because, like you said, he's ruined 11 years of fidelity. 
And Blaine is like all over him, being a just being a good employer, right? Yeah, <laughs> a little, 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 little too good of an employer, yeah. actually. Well, so Emmett is cooking in the kitchen, and Blaine asks for a taste. Yes, yeah. Well, then uh, Emmett spills food on his pants, and so Emmett's trying to you know rub out the the spot. Rub Girl, out the Emmett, <laughs> Emmett doing the most. Okay, like. No, okay. You do not take the towel to rub on your boss. You hand him the towel, okay? Right. Well, then Blaine's going to help him by like, well, I should just remove these pants, you know? It'd be easier for you to clean them if I just remove these pants. <laughs> <laughs> and Emmett goes down on his knees to help him, too. And mm, Oh, sure poor did. Emmett. <laughs> but I'm here. That was hot. I'm here for it, okay? A husband couple that's, like, open to, like, you know, we're not going to play together, baby, but do your thing, you to me, that, that's fun and hot. What I don't like about that whole situation is they're not truthful, though. They got this man thinking that he done broke up, you know, 11 years of fidelity and all this and that. Like, right. he living all in his head and shit. And y'all out here thotting out here in these streets separately. Like, yeah, stop playing. They're not honest about it. And that's, mm -hmm. like, one of the themes of this episode is hypocrisy. You presented this whole front to him, but the two of you, you and your husband, are coming on to Emmett and putting him in these situations and then, yeah, but just yeah. not being truthful and straight up and honest about it. And now he's allowing him to feel bad and horrible. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. When you feel when you feel great because you're getting pleasured and you know you're having a great time. Mm -hmm. So then we see Melanie and Lindsay at their house and they have prepared a lovely meal for Brian. And not just that, they've even given him a nice cigar. And Melanie is on her best behavior. <laughs> I would have known it was a trick up from the start yeah. if she was being nice. She, I mean, she had the table set. She looked great. They had candles. They I know. Cooked. Melanie's like, mm, wait till you see what's for dessert. Yeah, they cooked <laughs> filet mignon. I mean, everything. They gave him the whole bells with the whistles. Yeah, okay? I mean, and they didn't even have anything set for them. So this was like... Fit for a king. You yes. know, it's only Brian. They're all about serving Brian. Mm -hmm. And he is no fool. So he's like, what do you want? And they tell him that he now he needs to decline the award. Just say, thanks, but no thanks. And Brian says, yeah, that's great. But what's the real re reason? It's, it's because they found out about Howard Bellwether's article. And now they want to spare themselves the embarrassment of awarding me, <laughs> you know, as their as their hero. Because Brian knows what's up. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's like, no I know fool. these games. Yeah, he's no fool. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a smart, intelligent guy. Don't try to play me for no fool. Okay, yeah. period. But what got me was how quickly they switched up because they, they, couldn't, they couldn't refute. You know, what he was saying, it, it was straight facts. Yeah. And what got me is when he declined their offer, how quickly they snatched up <laughs> yeah. all the food, the I dessert, know. the placemat. the cigar, they blew out the candles, like, nope, never Girl, mind, go home. took the candles <laughs> in the placemat. Yeah. Okay? I mean, yeah. I, she could let them keep the cigar. They don't even smoke. Oh, I guess she smoked cigarettes. But still. Yeah. You took the damn candles and you came back for the candles. <laughs> she did. Blew them out in his face. In his yeah. face. You can, you Poor petty Brian. male, you petty girl, <laughs> petty LaBelle. Um, so then back over at Woody's, Vic and Debbie have shown up. Uh, and I love when Vic and Debbie come anywhere. They mm -hmm. can come sit with me at Woody's. <laughs> I won't be a sourpuss about it like Michael. Right. <laughs> but Michael's all upset because he doesn't want to be um, out with his mom and his uncle. And Debbie and Vic comment that they look just basically dead over there yeah they did i would never <laughs> want to join that table they yeah. needed um uncle vic and, and deb to come to that table yeah they did i mean they, they needed some life and some color yep. some shimmer over there mm -hmm. and deb gonna bring it to you <laughs> so then michael and ted are kind of having a side conversation and remember that ted got did get an invite and they talk about going to this 
BB party. <laughs> this B&B party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then Ted and Michael show up to this party. Turns out to be some sort of like sex party orgy. Kind we of thought thing. it was going to be a bodybuilding well, party. I mean, as soon as the scene starts, you're like, I don't see any bodybuilders. Yeah, I was like, I said, <laughs> where are the bodybuilders at? Yeah. That looks normal. Yeah. But what we do see is some barebacking. And at the center of it is Howard Bellwether, mm, Mr. The, Responsibility. The hypocrite. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the do as I say, not as I do head ass. Right. Which, I mean, to each his own, I guess. But this just seems very irresponsible to me. That's extremely irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Especially in that age. Like, you know that you should be having safe sex. And it was some young people there. You should be encouraging right. safe sex to the young people. Yeah. That's a community out there. There's a disease out there that would flood the community. You know, like, you should be out there advocating safe sex. Getting the proper information out while you're over here slandering Brian and getting his right. age wrong. You defend, <laughs> okay? Yeah. While you're over here on somebody else's business and you out here thotting in these streets yourself. So stop. Right. And talking about like how much of a danger he is to Justin. Never mind. Everybody in this little party is a danger to everyone. Right. Exactly. You're putting everybody at risk in here. And so it's just like, oh, hello, pot. Talking to the kettle. Thank you. <laughs> and that's the thing about. Howard Bellwether, and I'll bring it up now in case so I don't forget it later. But Brian is who he is, but he's upfront about yep, it. Yep, he's true. You know, in this whole time, Howard's acting like he's this like stand up member of the gay community, but you've got this whole secret dark side to you. Brian, yes, he lives his truth. Okay. And like I said before, he doesn't care what the rest of the world has to say. He owns what he does, okay? And he's very secure and confident within himself. And he doesn't need any justification. He don't need any admiration for anybody else because he knows what he brings to the table. So, yeah, right. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Brian. Brian always lives his truth. <laughs> he walks in that and stands strong in it. Uh, so Melanie and Lindsay have gone back to Tannis and Phillip and at the GLC where they're preparing for this event where Brian would get his award and they're telling him that Brian's not going to back out. <laughs> like, And that's the thing about Brian. You tell him he can't do something. That is the thing he is going to do. Clearly he they does don't know nothing him. else. Yeah. He's going to do that, which you told him he can't do. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah, he's like, I, I know your game. I'm not going to play it with you. Yeah. They um, don't know who they're dealing with at yeah, all. And Tannis and Philip are not happy about this. Well, Lindsay does some quick thinking and she says, well, he's going to sue you if you don't give it to him. And she starts quoting these like obscure codes yes. and laws or whatever. I was like, <laughs> yeah. come through with the quick think. Yeah. Come through. Cause she saved the day. Yeah. And, uh, she, she says, so, you know, you pick up a few things when you're with the lawyer or whatever, <laughs> because she just made all this stuff. Cause Lindsay afterwards, Melanie is like, really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, like where'd you pull impressed. that from? Yeah, mm-hmm. but I like this confident Lindsay now. But she's there in a halter top. She's got her confidence yeah, back. She does. You know? she I got think her confidence back. after having the baby, you know, she made a comment earlier on about like trying to you know get her body back and whatever. But yeah, she's just more confident in herself and in her relationship now. So, and I think that little split away from Mel, and then the way Mel had to get her back. You know, she was that whole what was the the French guy's name. Gim. yeah. <laughs> that right there. It ma- yeah, Gee. That one, that made Melanie fight hard. It made uh-huh. her jump through all types of hoops. And it showed Lindsay, you know, hey, I do love you. I do care for you. And then the fact that Lindsay wanted to be married and then Mel then came around and, and proposed and they're, yeah. they're engaged and things like that. I mean, she's living her best life. 
she's happy and it shows and, and i mean and this new confidence in her is sexy yeah it's beautiful on her i mean she's got her woman she's got her baby which means she's got brian i mean uh, i didn't i mean <laughs> i'm dead I had to get it in there that's a messy little throw shade <laughs> in there i love throw it the whole shade tree in yeah, there yeah girl you dropped that mug <laughs> okay um so over at babylon we finally get to babylon Thank God. Uh, and Ted is irate about Howard Bellwether because he's like, oh my gosh, this is my hero and I'm so disappointed. Um, and how funny is that? Yeah. That was his hero. Mm-hmm. And now he's disappointed, but they don't see the hero within Brian. Right. You know, so. Right. Exactly. Mm. Who actually did something heroic. Who saved literally saved a person's life. life. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh. Emmett is there, and again, he's telling them, well, now I've corrupted the other husband, the other spouse. And he says, oh, darn, my powers of, of seduction. <laughs> Girl. You know, I have weakened them, you know. And he just won't let them off that pedestal. He won't put the blame on them no. for this. It's not like Emmett forced them into anything, but he's just n- not quite willing to let go of that ideal image in his head mm-hmm. just yet. Yeah. And it's almost like he doesn't feel worthy, you mm-hmm. know? He doesn't feel worthy enough. He's beneath them. They're higher than him. Right. You know, because so. because they have a relationship mm-hmm. and they have quote unquote legit careers mm-hmm. and they've got this marriage and whatnot. And so he feels like, yeah, like you said, like I'm yeah. beneath them, you know. Uh so at the bar it was Michael, Emmett, and Ted. Well, then Brian comes up and he asks Michael to dance. And Michael says no, which I just want to point out. I just thought about this is a contrast from last episode when Michael asked Brian to dance. He said Brian was in the mood and he said no. And Michael was all in a huff about it. But now uh, Michael's upset and he's like, I'm not even going to tell you why because it's not like you care. And then Brian was walking away. (laughs) Brian didn't care. He, he, really was, he was leaving, did. okay? He kind of did not care. Like, yeah, you're right. But okay, then, I'm going to hit the dance floor over here. You don't want to dance? For real. It's a whole club in here. Who will? That yeah. part, okay. But then Michael tells him, you stood me up. And then Brian's like, oh, is that all? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, like what's the big deal? It's comic books. And he tells him, I got tied up. Or actually, he did. And then Michael's like, well, I don't want to hear it. And they get to talking about the fact that, yeah, mm-hmm. you were going to come to sing with me. I got us tickets and you didn't come. And then Michael says But let's something. correct this, though. No, you got the tickets before you even asked Brian okay. to come. Okay. That is important. You didn't buy the tickets and then I stood you up. <laughs> you bought the tickets you then I stood you up. Hey, Brian, are you busy at this time on this day? Would you like to come with me here? You showed up with passes. <laughs> and demanded he come. Basically, so, yeah. That's so, on you. That is on you, boo. <laughs> But uh, Michael says something. He says, I know how you feel about it. You feel like it's just a bunch of geeks searching for lost pieces of their childhood. And I'm like, yeah, Michael, that is kind of how I feel. You're like at 30. (laughs) I feel that's what you're doing. You're searching for lost pieces of your childhood. Mm -hmm. I understand. And like, I'm not... I do think that there are good things about Brian's relationship with Michael. There's a lot of codependent... Codependency there. So there are some unhealthy aspects But I'm not saying like the whole relationship is bad. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes you pick up relationships at points in your life and they're supposed to naturally dissolve or change or shift. And I don't think Michael's open to that. I'm not saying the friendship has to go away, but it is supposed to morph and grow. Yeah, yeah, according to the other person's life Mm -hmm. in your own life. And Michael is making no allowance for that, I feel. That's because Michael has never left any door opportunity for someone else to come into his life. Right. I think ultimately he always imagined that maybe one day 
that Brian's going to, you know, come to his senses, realize that I love him. Well, he already knows that I love him, but realize that he loves me. Yeah. And we're going to be together, you know? I I, I definitely think so. so. I definitely think that door is still open for Michael. It's like, Michael, that door is not open, okay? No, yeah, even if Justin was not in the picture. It's not even cracked. It's that closed. Door is, <laughs> okay? There is no door. No, it's just a yeah. solid wall. For real. Maybe There's need, no door there. You're going to need to be a carpenter or something. Okay? Yeah, Good. you have to do a whole renovation to put a door there because <laughs> there is no door there. But in his mind, it's there and it's still open. And I do think that's part of it. Like, he still wants them to be friends. But I do think somewhere in the recesses of his mind, he does think, okay, one day... Brian's going to be done with the club boy thing. Mm-hmm. And I've always been here. The natural route is for him to, be to with settle me. with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm there to take care of him. I'm there to pick up all the pieces when he's hurt. You know, all this and that. So, I mean, like, bro, you'd be a really good friend. Yeah. He doesn't see you romantically. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, then Michael goes on to say, well, you know, well, ne- everything has changed and, you know, want things to go back and maybe they're never going to go back to the way things were before I ran off with David and before Justin got hurt. And he talks about the dynamic. I thought it was going to be the dynamic duo reunited. And maybe I'm being unfair, but I'm just like, Michael, grow up. Yes, you're being unfair because when he said that little speech, <laughs> okay, maybe I'm just being a little wuss. Because when he said that little speech with the whole dynamic duel, it touched me and it yeah. made me feel more compassion toward his annoying ass because he is annoying. <laughs> but you are being Michael insensitive in this uh, in this moment right here. Because- okay, fine. Okay. I I can understand where Michael is coming from because that is his best friend, and to have this sudden thing come in and shift Brian's priorities, I could see how that might be a little bit jarring for him maybe if he i'll just grant gets, you that yeah okay but maybe if he just gets one brian day he'll be back to normal they are know? grown men plan <laughs> <laughs> assigning days over here i know right i know i'm just listen you know how i feel about michael so i do he's been on my nerves but i'm still gonna ride for him because the way he ride for brian is the way i ride for him so um yeah he just need one brian day damn it okay that's all he needs <laughs> listen okay I'm trying to be sympathetic. I understand. <laughs> I'm trying to understand. They're good friends. They're best friends. And life has always looked a certain way. He's always been there for him. Yep. And so he's expecting Brian, I guess, to be there for him while he's back and he's in this lost phase. Okay, fine. I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll give you that. But we got to move on Thank before you. I yes. change my mind. <laughs> Please. Yes. Next. <laughs> Please. Uh, but at the end of that, Michael does say, well, there's no reason for you to be there for me and there's no reason for me to expect it and so i mean well i mean that was some truth in that though like there's I mean, some truth in it it was like he should never expect that brian to drop everything just to be there again you didn't give me no damn notice and if i wouldn't have left when were you gonna tell me he chased him out of the place to tell him about the comic-con mm-hmm. out of woody just to tell him about that i mean you didn't give me any notice so you should never expect me i mean i know he meant that on a deeper level but you shouldn't expect me to be anywhere, especially when we having no knowledge. And you know what, what the fuck is going on, period, you know? But there really some truth in that. Stop putting all your eggs in that one basket, okay? Right. You're depending on your happiness for Brian Kenny. You already know Brian is unpredictable. You know, like, you <laughs> right. already know, like... Even before Justin, before, before Justin that. got hurt. Yeah. It was nothing for him to just leave you sitting there that on part. the side of the road. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. Like, you should have never put all your little eggs in that basket because you're bound to be hurt. Some them eggs can be broken. <laughs> okay, just like your heart, heartbroken. So yeah, yeah no, I, I felt that, but it was just sad that he had to deliver it like that. 
But I love Brian's face because clearly he reached him in that face. Well, the face looked like he reached him. Yeah, well, because like Brian is, he's not totally heartless. And so he's like, okay, whether I agree or not, which is same for me, whether I agree or not, Michael is my friend. I do care about him. This is something that is important to him. Not necessarily the comic convention, but just knowing that we are still friends. Right. Yeah, that's something that's important to him. Uh, so, Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we see Emmett, and he is back at Blaine and Blair's house, and he is having to quit his job because he tells them that he is unworthy to work there, and he is just racked with guilt. And as he's sitting in between him, and they have this smallest little space between them for him to sit in, and they're both all on his all ears, on his earlobes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> one got a hand on the knee. The other got the hand on his hand. Somebody's nibbling on his neck. Yeah. One is kissing on his cheek. <laughs> I mean, it, it, they're doing the most. This is not the couple we were introduced to when the doorbell rang. For real. You know, Talk like, about hypocrisy. Yes, who Games are you? Blazes. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so Brian was right. He really was right. And so they talk about what happened. And then Emmett finds out like that they both knew. They have talked to each other about what happened where where Emmett has been like harboring these the secrets yeah. this whole time and just feeling awful about it. And that's terrible that they yeah. get that. Yeah, and he's just like, wait a minute, aren't you both monogamous? And they're like, yeah, we are. <laughs> and I, you said, as I'm watching, confused. Yeah, <laughs> like, said, I'm confused. Yeah. I'm so confused. Yeah. But then Emmett's like, hold up. And so he stands up and he says, I may be a slut, but at least, I, at least I'm an honest slut. And I love it. It's like, I did. Okay, he if you want to put that label on me, that's what I am. But I'm honest about it i yep. live my truth in front of everybody and i think that that line encompasses what this show was saying like, mm -hmm. you can say what you want like we make it all about sex and we just party and we we do whatever we're promiscuous on it but that's who we are yep. yeah and we're not ashamed of that like we've talked about this show as a celebration of freedom of the ability to choose how you want to express yourself mm -hmm. and leave your and live your life and so I absolutely love what Emmett says. Like, call me whatever you want. Put whatever whatever label you want to on it. But I'm honest about it. Absolutely. And that's that's something that's so similar between Brian and Emmett. They are true to who they are. Even we've though always Emmett, said that. Yeah, we've always said that. Even though Emmett looks a lot different than Brian, he is who he is. And he's like, I ain't apologizing for it. Right. That's who I am. Yeah. The only difference between those two, because Emmett has confidence. He doesn't bring cocky. You know, right. and yeah. Brian brings like that confidence, that arrogance with him. That's the only difference they have between each other because they both stand for the same. They're going to stand for, I'm not going to conform to the straight life. I'm not going to, you know, change up who I am. I want to be flashy, bright and loud. That's what Emmett is. You know, yeah. Brian is going to be that confident, arrogant. I can pull and get anybody. He's always going to be true to that. They're, they are always going to be true to themselves. Yeah. And that's what I respect. About and that's them. the thing, like. Emmett is more like, don't say, like, why would I explain that? Or why would I approve it? Or I don't need to be arrogant or cocky about it. It just is what it is. But Brian is more so like, no, I want you to know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah. So Emmett's over that job. He leaves there. Um, so then we see Justin again, and he's walking down the street on, on his own this time. And so it's not without issue. Things are still a little bit crazy, but he's doing it. And I love that Brian's standing there watching him and with his arms open. And, like, and he says, you know, come on, sonny boy. And I love the tie to Gus taking his first steps this yeah, episode and then Justin, Justin walking his on his own. Uh -huh. Yeah. I, you know, to some people it might be weird, but I like when they throw out those little links between Gus and Justin because both They're of them. They're connected from the They start, are. And the both start. of them 
I don't want to say they forced Brian's heart open because that's, I think Brian chose to do it, even though he didn't know he was choosing no, or didn't it, want it to choose a to do force, it. Though. But you know, but he opened his heart up to both of them. Yeah. On the same night. The way the re- the way I say the reason why I say force is because Brian would have never. I mean, okay. Brian doesn't do boyfriends. That Brian doesn't right. do relationships. Mm-hmm. Justin doesn't was love, persistent. Like that. Yeah. Okay. He didn't take no. Brian told him no every single day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Every single day, Justin showed up. Mm-hmm. Justin did his investigation work, uh, work and found where Brian was going to be. Mm-hmm. Got fake IDs. Found that out. Like, I mean, he put in that work. He fought for Brian. He forced Brian to love him. You know, like, yeah. well, let him Brian know, like, hey, no matter what you say, I care for you. I'm gonna be here. You know, yeah. he did that. And then with Gus. That's a part of Brian, you know? Mm-hmm. He can see a bit of himself in in this baby. Like, he gave, he made this child, you know? He was forced to love him. Yeah. Not like physical force or anything like that, but Brian doesn't open up. Yeah. He, he, he does not. Like, he, he wouldn't have opened up unless it was forced to do it. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like Gus is like, hey, I'm here. You're going to love me. You know, I'm forcing <laughs> yeah. you. And Justin being so persistent, you know, and not going anywhere and not taking no for an answer and standing strong in his beliefs. Forced Brian to open up his heart, you know? Yeah. So, well, that's true because Justin was relentless about it. Yeah. And not just like, I love you, I want to be with you, or I like you. But he was like, no, no, there's something in you that wants me too. Yes. And so Justin was relentless in calling that forth mm-hmm. also, you know, not just forcing, I want to be with you, I'm forcing my will on you. It's like, no, I'm forcing what's in you out to the surface. Now we call that manifesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he manifested the heck out of that. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, but, okay, quick side note, and then we're going to move on. But, like, no, I don't think anybody else has done that. Other people have wanted to be with him more than once because we see him turn tricks away. Yep. But that's just been more sexually or just after his body or just the image that he put out there. Mm-hmm. But Justin was after the true Brian. Yeah. I mean, he wanted the image too and, you know, the other benefits, but he wanted the true Brian. Ultimately. True. Yeah. Um, so, and I love this scene as the song, my boy walks down the street is, uh, is playing. And so Justin does, he makes it all the way to Brian and he tells him as he gives him a big hug, he says, I wasn't sure I can do it. And, I could do it, and Brian oh, says cry. I was. I know. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna cry. Okay. This whole scene with the two of them, like, stop it, girl. Uh, and so Brian gives him this, you know, big kiss, and Justin says, "What was that for?" And you know, Brian, like we said, deflect, <laughs> avoid. He says, "Well, you know me. I love sex in public places, and that's not all. What it is, he's proud, just like mm-hmm. he was proud of Gus taking his first steps. He's proud of the progress he can see Justin making." Yeah. And so that's what that kiss was about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and then he tells him, you know, you're almost back to back to normal. And then uh, I love that um, when Justin says, you know, bad is new. <laughs> yes. No, seriously. <laughs> yeah. And Brian's like, well, I can come home with you. I'll come with you to the loft. And Justin's like, no, I can do it myself. And Brian says, are you trying to get rid of me already? I just love this. They're so cute. As they're they like are. holding on to each other. I told you that and banter this, changed. Yes, like it's, It really did. Yeah, it's and different. Justin says, well, don't you have friends your own age? And <laughs> Brian says, well, none of them adore me as much as you. And Justin, Justin says, wins. I can think of one that does. But he, and this is what I absolutely love about Justin Taylor. He could 
shade the hell out of Michael, but he well, doesn't. He could, yes, and he could hog all of Brian's time. He could manipulate the situation. Like, oh, I'm freaking out. I'm having a panic attack because mm-hmm. I had to walk down the street. He doesn't do that because he knows how much Brian has invested in his recovery, but he doesn't want that to be Brian's whole life. Right. You know? And he doesn't have a, fa- a problem with the fact that Brian left that night to go see Michael, but ended up with that cop. Like, just right. like whatever, because he knows it's just like that song from the prom, like, at the end of the day, you're with me. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? that part. Uh, but he has that much confidence in what their situation at this point, but also he knows that Brian has a life outside of him. Yes. And he is okay with that. And so he's like, I know that there are things going on with you and Mike. So this is why I believe he's that so Brian... beyond his years. Yes, and I believe that Brian and Justin do talk like yes. we don't see it on screen all the time but i believe that they have like real no they do pillow talk just there every night they're yeah. talking and i think that's what attracted brian like you said the other tricks they were just sex justin brings something else to the table mm-hmm. we saw in previous episodes in season one justin was getting their asses together right with, such as the etiquette classes and things like that mm-hmm. you know he's he's experienced more coming from his background with the waspy people uh, from his background more than they have ever experienced, yeah. you know? Like, he's come from a, a very... um He comes from a very wealthy family, you know? Right. And, 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 and he has a background of that where, you know, they are not so much experienced uh, with so much of all of that. So I think that he can connect to, to Brian on a different level because Brian does deal with million-dollar accounts. He does deal with millionaires on a daily basis and things of that nature. So he knows how to interact with him in a different way, in an intellectual intellectual way. <laughs> yeah. You? He knows how to interact with him. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so, because the thing is, he can have the, like, foreplay conversations with his tricks, and then he can have, like, friend conversations with Michael, and then he can have a different kind of friend conversations with Lindsay, but he didn't have anybody in his life where he can put all of that together, together. until until Justin. So, anyway, I really believe that they talk because Justin is aware of what's going on with Brian and Michael. Now, true, Justin's also perceptive. He was at the diner earlier when Michael was in there pouting. And, uh, he's probably just picked up on some things and knew that Brian, pro- Brian probably told him, Hey, I'm going out because I mean, Michael at Comic Con. Justin probably asked him how it went. And Brian's like, Oh, I didn't actually make it there. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, my whole point in going off on this tangent was, I love that he can be so selfless sometimes mm-hmm. in that relationship. Instead of hogging all of Brian's attention, he recognizes, again, this is not the first time where he sends him back to Michael is your friend. Go be there for yeah. him. The other thing that I love about this, I love everything about this scene. But the <laughs> other thing is, uh, Justin is talking to him about the award and Justin, you know, tells him you've got an award to accept. And Brian's kind of like, eh. <laughs> no, but and Justin t- puts his hand on his face, gets his attention, looks him in the eye and tells him, you are a hero. No matter what anyone says, like mm-hmm. forget what Howard Bellwether says. He doesn't know you. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know us or our situation. You are a hero. And Justin won't let anyone, including Brian, take that from him. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I love about Justin. He's going to stand strong. Mm-hmm. You are a hero. Yeah. Believe it. I don't care what the people are saying. Yeah. I would be dead if it wasn't for, for you. Real, it was my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was saved by you. And so you are a hero. Even if you, you know, it makes you uncomfortable to hear that praise. Like, it's still true. Mm-hmm. And then they end the scene by saying later, which has become their thing after after prom. You know, so this is late. They tell each other later. Then we go over to, we finally make it to the event at the GLC. And Brian hasn't shown up yet. 
<laughs> and uh, so Tannis and Philip are uh, introducing Howard Bellwether, and he is so fake and phony up there with his acceptance speech or whatever. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, members of our own community perpetuate these stereotypes, and it's us. It's up to us to change the misconceptions of our community. And it's like, whatever, liar. Please, I know. <laughs> I was like, somebody, please put him on blast. Yeah. Where is the viral video of him over here in this sex party? <laughs> For real. Where is it? Like, we need a camera phone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so he, his speech has put Debbie to sleep and basically everybody else. Uh, but when he's done, a couple people stand up to clap. And so Ted is one of them. And Emmett looks back at him like, really, Ted? Because, you know, Ted has yeah. told Emmett that they saw him at this barebacking party. And Emmett says, I believe in what he says, well, even if Ted I don't said. believe in him. I'm sorry. Yes. Ted says, I believe in what he says, even if I don't believe in him. And I was hella disappointed. I mean, I get what he's saying, but. When do you stand up for Brian? Right. Or just the just fact that other, there are other ways to live yes. life. Just because you're gay doesn't mean you have to live it this way. I mean, he doesn't even live it that way. No. The guy who's telling you that doesn't even live it that, that way. That part. Okay. Like, and why do you agree with what he's saying? He is a stereotype. Right. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like, that makes I no mean, sense. everything Brian does is consensual. He's always protected. Yeah. You know, I mean, even Emmett is the same way. We saw when he had the AIDS scare, he talked about like how he is super vigilant about protection. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Ted was the one who had unprotected sex in that episode. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, I'm just like, no, I was hella disappointed. And I'm never disappointed in Ted. I normally, like, I love all the Ted scenes. But I was like, come on, stand up, speak up. Yeah. It was what we were talking about earlier. Like, no one wants to speak up, you Mm -hmm. know? And he did not take this advantage. This is the time you could have just, um... Not to judge me, don't judge me. But I was at a B and B party. And I thought and that meant bodybuilders. I saw him right there. And I don't think I saw I didn't know I saw him. Okay, unprotected. So I mean, come on now. Yeah. I was disappointed. Well, you know, I, but I do appreciate how this episode shows how different people, you know, from our gang interact with those expectations mm-hmm. and those stereotypes and whatnot. Because, you know, we have the gay as blazes, which is like the over the top right. uh depiction of what I guess they straight society thinks it should look like yeah, uh-huh. or what the gay people are comfortable, the gatekeepers of a gay community are comfortable with you showing mm-hmm. society what it looks like. And so we see how Emmett was like, oh, that's the ideal and I ruined it. But then he's like, no, I'm yeah. I'm true with who I am. Exactly. I'm true about who I am. But then you have Ted who's like, yes, what they're saying is absolutely right. And Brian's like, all of that is BS. Yeah, all <laughs> of know? it. And then Melanie and Lindsay are kind of like, oh, they're stand-up members of society because even them... Everything they're doing is, you know, they feel like that's part of them being activists in the LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus community. So it's just interesting. But they recognize there's different ways of life in the yeah, community. So, yeah, I mean, there's no judgment on their end. Yeah. So then after Howard Bellwether's speech, Tannis and Philip come back to introduce Brian. And the words are not near as flowery (laughs) for Brian. You can tell they don't believe anything they're saying. Uh, But they present him with the, well, they announce that he's the recipient of the Gay Hero Award of the Year. And everybody, you know, our gang is clapping and cheering. And there is no Brian in sight. I'm glad he didn't come. It was enough said. Like, yeah. Honor me. Give me the award, but I'm not showing up. I don't need you. Uh-huh. It's like, I don't dance to the beat of your drum. Yep. <laughs> you know? Uh, because he does not care about their validation and their own their hypocrisy. He no. doesn't care for it. He's like, I'm not going to give in to that. He made them feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and so that's I'm what Lindsay says. I think he got his message across. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, you're not going to play me. You're not going to play these games at all, period. Because you know what? When you play the game, believe me, I'm going to win. Yeah. I play to win. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So then we see Michael at day two of the Comic Con and Brian shows up. And Brian makes a comment. He says, if you want a hero, buy a comic book, which is so true because I think Michael does have this hero worship thing going toward Brian. And what Brian is asserting is like, I am not a hero. I'm not I'm a perfect a human. person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm normal. I'm yeah. your friend. Uh, but then Michael says, well, I meant what I said. You didn't have to come. Yeah, right. Can you imagine you what just, Michael would have been like the next day girl, if Brian didn't come? He just pounded in the whole club and stormed out. He stumped his feet as he walked out. Yeah. Okay? No. <laughs> he had to show up. He knew he had to show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he says, you know, that's just how it is between us here. No demands, no expectations, no regrets. And then Brian's like, yeah, I know I say all those things, but still, he's like, this is my best friend. I do love Michael and care for him. I'm going to show up for him. I can do this thing yeah. for him. It's not my thing, but it's his thing. Yeah, yeah. And I care about him. That's so. sweet. I, I'm it is. Yeah. And then Brian just says, well, as long as I'm here, we might as well have a good time because we find out it's only like 15 minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but Brian has had a full day. True. I mean. Better late than never. Yeah. He was over there. Um, you know, he was helping Justin do his stuff. He was doing his own life. Like, Probably deciding if he was going to go or not. Right. You know? Like, he's had a full day, but he still made time to come and do this thing for Michael. And Michael's like, well, no, it's stupid. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and, and Brian reminds him of some stories from their childhood. He's like, well, it wasn't stupid when we did this or when we did that. And he's just reminding him, like, it wasn't stupid when we said that we'd always be there for each other. And so, yeah, he just comes through for him. He's like, no, I still want to be there for you. Michael needs to understand that that's going to look a little different, yeah. <laughs> you know, and maybe I won't be there for you every single day, but, but I'm here, but I am here. Yeah, I'm here. for And you. I don't know what it is, though. Maybe I'm feeling really sappy these days, but <laughs> every time Brian spoke tonight, he, yeah. he was fire. OK, mm -hmm. that speech that he got Michael back on the good graces. Yeah. Well, you know, like they were inseparable. They were invincible. They were together forever. Like that was us. Like he was tugging on them strings tonight. Yeah. Normally it's somebody else. Yeah. But it was him tonight. Like we definitely see a a new expression of maturity in Brian mm -hmm. in these last couple of episodes. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Uh so then they go and they're enjoying the convention the last fifteen minutes of the convention <laughs> and they take a picture with the little poster thing. And it's a nice moment for them. I mean, I know I've been a little hard on Michael in this episode. But he's and happy. I still stand by what I said for the most part. But, he's happy. But I am happy that he doesn't have to, that they don't have to lose their friendship right. at this point. I do think that, okay, I'm just going to put this out there and I reserve the right to take it back. <laughs> <laughs> do you? I'm doing me. Um, but I feel like if nature were to just take its course, it's probably natural for that particular friendship to fizzle out right. if they weren't, if they didn't each have this neediness in them, that thing that makes them codependent, mm -hmm. it probably would naturally fizzle out. Because to be honest, they have nothing in common. They really don't. Yeah, they, they really don't. They have nothing in common that would keep them together. Mm -hmm. They're like oil and water. Yeah. And outside of their emotional neediness, they really don't have anything to offer each right. other no. you know, or the things that they offer each other are not really what the other person 
It's not really in the other person's best interest. It's not because I feel like Michael always gets the short end of the stick when it comes to that friendship in the past, you know? Um, as in, he was, like I said before, he was the one always picking up the pieces. He's driving Brian home because Brian is too messed up. The night, the night that Brian's son was born, he couldn't even drive. You know? Yeah, but I always say people will... Do you treat what you people allow how them to you do? treat yeah you treat people how they allow you to treat them mm-hmm. and so not to say that Brian's right in that but Michael has allowed that all these years mm-hmm. you know so yeah on the one hand Michael does get the short end of the stick but also it's like but you've been willing to put up with that because mm-hmm. you've kept that door open hoping that it would turn into something else right. later well I think the first thing they need to stop doing is doing those um those passionate kisses. They really need to okay. stop the the lip to lip. Yeah, they need to the stop the full that. mouth kisses. Because to Brian, <laughs> it's nothing. But those, the look at Michael's eyes. When Every they kiss. time after one of them, Michael is like, mm. yeah, like you can feel like he's <laughs> lingering on it. Like I mean, he is yeah. really, really involved in that kiss. And mm-hmm. Brian is like. And out. We talked know? about the breadcrumbing yeah. in, la- in season one. We talked about the breadcrumbing, but I don't see it anymore as Brian doing that. So, like after the whole David tension thing situation. with David, mm-hmm. when Brian was just kind of like, okay, whatever, Michael's life might move forward and move on. I don't really see Brian breadcrumbing in the same way. But anymore. he knows how Michael feels with him, so I feel like any type of any type of um, intimate connection that's other than platonic. It's going to make Michael feel a certain type of way. Like, and he kisses him passionately. Like, I mean, it's, it's not like they're using tongue or anything, but right. it's, it's a not whole, like full out making out. Yeah, but, but still, if my partner or, or unconventional partner or whatever is kissing on his best friend, yeah, it's <laughs> a little weird. Lips, like, that's a little, yeah, yeah, I might have an issue with that. Yeah, that's like, I, under, I, I don't know. It just, yeah, because you're right, what you said. Brian knows that to Michael is it's more, even though I don't think it's not to Brian. I don't think it ever really has. But the other thing is Brian communicates most with his body and with some type of physical touch or Mm -hmm. connection. And so there are things that he says to to Michael in a kiss that he He could never articulate. Right. With words. And so even though I hate that they do that because it continues to muddy the waters for Michael. Yeah. For Michael um, only. I, I see why Brian continues to do it, but I don't think it's healthy for it's Michael. It's not healthy at it's all. It's not in Michael's best interest. And that's what I was saying. A lot of things that they do are not real. Even if it's not intentional, it's not in the best interest of the other person. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. <laughs> I can go on and on about that for the next two hours, but let me <laughs> wrap this up because there's only one more scene here. So we go back to Gay as Blazes on uh, the show and we see the couple there, the Gay is Blaze's equivalent of Blair Blaine and Blaine. And Blair. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have this kid that they have rescued from his terrible gay life, <laughs> you know, in the club scene or whatever. And like, you don't have to live that way anymore. You can stay here with us. You're, so. you're not safe. Trust me. <laughs> get out, <laughs> get boy. Get out now. Run. <laughs> yes. Run now. Please. Don't look back. <laughs> you're not safe. Okay. No. Uh, so that was this episode. That was 203, which was a nice change of pace from 201 and 202 because I tell you, I could not deal with another emotional banger. No, I just... girl. It was. <laughs> Those last two, that was, like you said, emotional bangers. Like, it was just too much. They were they were heavy. I mean, good heavy. Don't get me wrong. So good. Yeah, so yeah, incredible. Yeah. But, oh good my heavy. gosh. Yeah. But we needed to lighten it up a little bit. Yeah. You know? And now we, we see the progress in Justin. So, yeah. I mean, I didn't want him to always be down because that's something that I admired about him anyway. Mm-hmm. was his will you know his will to fight yeah. 
And the fact that he's gaining gaining it back, I mean, it's all coming, it's shaping up nicely, you know? Yeah. And this episode was funny. Like, I feel like... It was. Emmett held his own. Like, I mean, <laughs> this was like a, a little, it was an Emmett and Brian storyline, you know? Yeah, I love it. But <clears throat> also love the girls. Like, Melanie and Lindsay are a, lot, a little bit more present uh, right. this season mm-hmm. so far. And I like that, too. Because toward the end of season one, they kind of, like, disappeared, you yeah. know? So, so, yeah, it was good seeing them and having them into the scene as well. But, um, yeah, this episode was phenomenal yeah it was just as good just in a different way it was just as good just in a a different way you are so correct well guys we hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed it as well and you know what we always say if you haven't already go ahead and like share and subscribe word of mouth is the best way go ahead and share us out there to your friends and get the word out we want you to be interactive so if you caught something that that we didn't catch and that we didn't see you know go ahead and share us that um share that to us in the comments all righty guys and well until next time we are out of here bye bye